Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. TPV Radio, Central Texas. This is ARB. Keep it locked right here on TPV Radio. You're listening to the hottest, most off-controversial, off-the-meters Christian radio station in the land. In the land. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Are you ready to walk, family? Let us go! That's right, family and friends. It is the hottest radio network on the planet. TPV Radio have an all-star lineup just for you. Sunday, TPV Reloaded at 2 p.m. Monday, it's The Grub at 12 p.m. The Reality Coach at 6 p.m. Tuesday, Victory Over the Weights of Life at 6 p.m. Friday, The Caribbean Pepper Pot at 8 p.m. Saturday, Brother Down presents at 4 p.m. Men, let's talk every first Friday of the month at 4 p.m. TPV presents by appointment only. Coming to you on June 6th. It is our Saturday buffet with Lorraine Brown at 12 p.m. Walk with me. Let's go. At Majel's Products, we care for a better you with our handmade natural ingredients to give you healthier skin, body, and stronger hair. Like our face, foot, hair, and body care products. To order yours today, please visit our website at www.majowsproducts.com or on Facebook at Majows Products. Get yours today and get your faster results without breaking the bank. You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life. Over the Weights of War. With Sis Diane LeBrin. Right now on TPV Radio. This is Victory Over the Weight of Life with Sister Diane LeBrin. Come on, come on, come on. As you know, the first Tuesday 
of every month is dedicated to domestic violence because this is what this platform is all about, bringing awareness to domestic violence 365 days a year because there are people hurting and suffering throughout the year, and this is my way of making a difference in the world. So I just want to go ahead and ask you right now, if you know of anyone who has been, is, or you see the potential of them entering into an abusive relationship, why don't you go ahead and tell them, hey, we got a special guest tonight, and we are going to go ahead and we're going to have a good time. And be ready because we speak very candid. We're going to uh, have questions. We're going to have dialogue. If you're listening out there and you want to ask any questions, you can go ahead and call in. You can listen to us tpvradionetwork.com and you can hopefully enjoy the show. Before we get started, we can't do anything without the Lord. So join me in prayer. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we want to thank you. God, we give you praise and we give you the glory and the honor that is due unto your name. We thank you for today, God, in spite of everything that is going on in the world right now. Father God, you have given us peace, and we want to thank you. I thank you tonight, God, for Brother Chris and Sister Shanice. Lord, I pray a special blessing over them in the name of Jesus. I thank you for my guest tonight. Give her the strength. Give her the courage, God, where she can speak freely. Oh, God, let her voice be heard. Everyone who needs to hear, oh, God, would you draw them tonight? So, God, there can be a change so that they know that there is a God and he loves us and he wants nothing but the best for us. And we ask you these things, Father God, in no other name than in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So let the church say amen. Amen. (laughs) Yes, Lord. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Like I said, the first Tuesday, first Tuesday of every month. Praise God, we bring light to domestic violence. We know that there are a lot of women, children, and a lot of men as well who are being abused every day. Most of the time when we speak of domestic abuse, most people always think about, hey, you know, the the physical aspect of it. It's, it's the woman getting hit or the children, but a lot of times we don't hear about the emotional side of it, the financial side of it, the, the manipulation, the narcissism. We don't hear about, about having to live in a house with, with a father or a mother or a brother who is, is raping a child or a family member. Very, very rare you hear uh, these things. But here on this platform, I want to thank God for Brother uh, Chris and Sister Shanice. They have opened up this platform where victims can call in and tell their stories, where we can come and we can shed light all over the world because this show is not just in the United States of America. It's in Canada. It's in the U.K., praise God. It's, it's, in the, it's in the Middle East, amen. We are all over the world right now, and domestic abuse has one thing in common. It has no bias. 
It doesn't matter whether you are whether you have an education. It doesn't matter if you are a college graduate. It doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're rich, if you're poor, if you're Hispanic, if you're Asian. It does not matter what color you are, what part of the world you are. Domestic violence, we all can relate to it. And please don't ever think that domestic violence cannot come knocking at your door. So before I bring my guest in, let me let her take a few breaths. <laughs> so Brother Chris, can you can you uh play I Know Who I Am for me as she take a breath, you know, so she can get ready, get her thoughts together, get a, 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 a sip of water, and we'll be right back. Y'all call somebody, tell them we are on. Walk with me, family. Let's go. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life. Over the Weights of War. With Sis Diane LeBrand. Right now on TPV Radio.
Keep it locked right here on TPV Radio, the station for inspiration. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life, Over the Weights of War, with Sis Diane LeBrand, right now on TPV Radio. All right, all right, all right, all right. Welcome back. I just love this song. It is such an awesome reminder of who you are, and I think that is such an awesome song for people who have been mentally and verbally abused. It doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what you think about me. It doesn't matter how you look at me. I know who I am. I am beautiful. I am wonderful. I am amazing. I am strong. Can nobody do it the way I do it? It's all about me, baby. It's all good. I love it. 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 So I just uh, wanted y'all to hear the song. Hopefully the song encouraged your heart, reminding you, you are fantastic. You are phenomenal. You are amazing. And most of all, you are a creation, a beautiful creation of the Lord God Almighty. Never, ever forget this. Amen. So let's get started. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm excited. I have my guest. She is ready. She is ready. Guest, 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 are you there? Are you ready? Yes, I'm here. How are you? How are you? Yes, ma'am, I I'm can. Good. I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for being on our show tonight. Why don't you go ahead and tell the people who you are? Yes, my name is Debbie Hetrick or Deborah Hetrick. I usually go by Debbie. I'm in West Virginia. And I am a uh, survivor of a horrific and violent attack by my live-in fiancé of eight years who is now incarcerated. Hmm. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, Debbie, we uh, when I tell my I story, because you uh, you know this as well, the more you tell your story, the stronger you get, the more confidence you get. You come to realize what was said about you, especially in an in a in a, a verbal abusive relationship. As you get away, you get to see that more and more. How comfortable are you in telling your story? Oh, I'm comfortable. There's times that it's difficult for me to talk about it, but it's been eight months now, and I have talked about it quite a bit. Um, I have been a little bit away from a lot of people because of this quarantine, so um, I've been a lot, mostly with my elderly parents. I live with them, so I have a blog, and I do a lot of uh, venting and talking and learning off of the Internet, and then I have some friends I speak with. But Fantastic. I'm still okay to talk about it. Okay, okay. So can you tell us how how the relationship started and and how did – because was he a narcissist or was he – Yes, very much so, but I did not really know about the narcissist, uh, the narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, He also, like many narcissists, had 
substance abuse issues, and that is when he would um, physically um, assault me was when he was under the influence. Usually it was alcohol. Sometimes it would be drugs. The way the relationship started, I am quite embarrassed. Um, I was a married woman. I had been married for almost 30 years. I'm a Christian woman. I'm 62 years old now. I'm not your typical uh, victim, I would not think. <laughs> um, I My relationship with my husband had been going poorly for quite some time, and uh, stupidly, I got into a friendship with a man on the Internet. He lived in California. I lived in West Virginia. We were talking on the Internet for a few years, and he was just, oh, a knight in shining armor. After a couple of years, I, I left my husband for this man, and I moved to out to California to live with him, and the abuse started within two days. Wow. Within yeah. two days. Yes. Yeah. So so did he show you any any uh, red flags? Did you see any red flags with the conversations on the phone? No. Now, he, would get, he did get uh, jealous. Uh, he would get angry. This was all over just like the telephone, like if I wouldn't be available to speak with him when he wanted to speak with me, things like that. He would get, like, angry in ways that made me wonder, like, why is he getting angry over this? But, you know, I I was blindsided. I must have been in some kind of a middle-age crisis. I don't know. But I left and went cross-country. I knew no one out there. Um, I was... I just didn't, I was flabbergasted. I, I didn't know what to do. Um, I was afraid to even get in my car to try to drive back home across the United States because I am a passive uh, sort of shy person. I stayed with him because he played the narcissistic game of pulling me in mm-hmm. and pushing me away. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, I'm sorry, it won't happen again. Uh he violently raped me the second night I was out there. Uh, he sodomized me on the second night. The second night. Yes, I'm very ashamed to admit this, but I'm, you know, I'm going to go all out there. I'm just going to tell what happened. Uh, because I'm, I'm glad you're drunk. doing that because there are people who who are probably feeling the same way like you, the shame because. When it comes to domestic violence, there are there is a lot of shame and there is a lot of you know victim bashing and stuff like that. And I try to always tell the victims never feel like that's your fault. It's it's never your fault. It's somebody who had no self control, you know, and they took it off on you. You know what I'm saying? So never uh, never uh, be ashamed or never take the blame for it. Well, I've become very humbled. Um, there, is, there are some things that I see in retrospect. Uh, if I it was, I mean, these narcissists, they go after women with personalities like mine. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. I'm passive. I avoid conflict at any cost. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm giving. I'm caring. I don't speak up for myself. And I'm extremely forgiving. And that's what I kept doing with him was forgiving and forgiving. Also, I had done something horrible. I had left my husband and... I was determined to make this relationship work. It was like, oh, my gosh, it can't be all for nothing that I have ruined my life and walked away from my family, you know, my family, my husband. Uh, We lived in um, 
California for seven years. Or, yeah, well, for seven months. And we came back across the country. He had promised me that he, as soon as he finished his schooling, we would come back here where I could look over my elderly parents. Uh, we moved about an hour and a half away from then, and this abuse continued partially. Like I said, it was only when he would start drinking. Sometimes he would buy, like, um, oh, what, and it was meth or crack, and he would do that. And when he did that, he would just get just crazy. I mean, and he he would choke me, and he would hold me down and, and just, like, tell me to die, and he wished he could cut my head off mm. and see the blood dripping. And I mean, it was... Oh. He would just say horrible, horrible things. And the, the times that would get the worst would be I would try, when I would try to leave. When he would be getting to a point that I couldn't take his verbal abuse, I'd say, I'm just going to leave for a while. And that he would attack me at the door. He would attack me in the yard. Um, I left four times. I stayed gone for months at a time. And he always would talk to me back into coming back. Yes. When he was sober, he was a wonderful, wonderful man. He was a Christian. He knew the Bible inside and out. He professed to be mm. a Christian, let me say that. Um, mm. You know, we would pray. He would cook for me. Uh, he would cuddle me. Uh, it was just everything like the narcissist does. I mean, I thought that he tried to make you think your love is special. No one else had a love like this, you know, this kind of stuff. Um mm -hmm. We moved in with my parents because they were elderly, and the abuse stopped because he could not drink here. And, you know, my dad would not tolerate that. And uh, we lived here for six years, and he professed almost daily how he had the rest of his life. He had to make up to me the abuse that he had done to me in the past. And uh, there would be times when we would go away for the weekend or go maybe to a casino and he would get real drunk and he had like hit me a few times during that six years, but it was only a brief and then he'd get over it. You know, he did a lot of mm -hmm. verbal abuse. He manipulated me. He controlled me. He controlled every dollar I had. Um, mm -hmm. Jealous, possessive. I couldn't go visit people. I mean, it was just essentially I tiptoed around um, wanting to make sure that his mood was in a good mood so that we would have a good day. <laughs> right. Um, I'm not sure if you – just tell me when you need to take a break or whatever. No, I mean, no, I don't keep know going. If you just, no, keep going. No, keep going. Okay. Um, we moved – he – there were some incidences. He was jealous of my adult daughter, uh, you know, he, anything that I liked was a threat to him, and there was a few incidences where him and my daughter or him and my brother or someone would get in little altercations. My father could see that he was not a good person, and he finally kicked him out, and my dad hmm. thought that I would stay. Well, I didn't stay. I went with him, and we hmm. moved up the road uh, about a half a mile from my uh, parents, and he started a as soon as we moved in and got on our own again, his personality changed. Uh, my daughter told me it was going to. My daughter has had experience in this, and she has a psychology degree, and she said, Mom, as soon as you move out, he's going to start again. And mm -hmm. he wouldn't work. He just he quit his job. Uh, it was all this, like, now he's not under my father's watchful eye. See, my dad was right. paying for all everything. My dad was even paying for our, our food because I was taking care of 
my mother. Uh, he started drinking more and more, pretty much on a daily basis. And I got ill with a gallbladder, and I was very, very ill, and they would not operate on me until I had healed. They didn't want to operate until I was cleared with other stuff medically. And yeah. uh, I, I was very weak, and I could barely even get in the shower. I had lost 30 pounds in like, oh, about like six weeks I had lost 30 pounds. Wow. And I was, yeah, it was bad, and I was sleeping a lot. And uh, he proceeded to drink one day. He was drinking the entire day, and he had been accusing me for several weeks of pretty much sleeping with everyone up and down the road, uh, male, female, relatives. Uh, my brother had terminal cancer, and that was bugging him because I was preoccupied about my brother was going to past and he started telling me that I was having sex with my brother Um, he told me yeah he told me I would never be allowed to see my brother again because I've been having sex with him and he told me that (laughs) and he told me I had put it on the internet on a pornography site of my brother and I yes and you know I was flabbergasted at the same time, I was so ill, you know, I just kept saying, you're crazy, you're crazy, why are you saying this, you know, I'll take a lie detector test, I, you know, I was just trying to trying to survive at that point. Well, mm-hmm. the day that he was drinking, um, I heard him on the telephone, and I heard him, like, he was bad-mouthing me to someone, and he was saying, yeah, bro, she doesn't respect me. And it just, I don't know, it just like went through me. I'm thinking, who's he telling that I don't respect? And I just got up and got out of bed, and I just thought, I'm going down to my mom's. I'm not going to listen to him talking about me like this. Or I said to him, I'm I'm going down to my mom. And he, I got out the door, and he jumped me and yelled and said to get back in the house. And, I mean, I knew I had to. He's twice my size. Um, more than twice my size. So I walked back in the door. He jumped me and pushed me across the floor, and I fell up against a weed eater or a sweeper or something that was there. And I said, ow, ow. I said, I think I broke my ankle. And he's like, you're not hurt. And he jumped onto me, straddled me, and began to um, suffocate me. Uh, He held his uh, hand over my mouth and his other hand, he squeezed my nostrils shut and he got face to face with me uh, inches and was telling me, you're dying tonight. And he was going, die, die, die. Only he was just screaming it inches from my face. And then he would let me breathe just for a second and then he would do it again. And he did it to the point that I passed out and urinated on myself. And I was like trying to say to him, you're, you know, I was trying to talk in between this. He probably did it a dozen times and he would let me say a few words. And I was just like that man, George Floyd. Uh, it really struck me when he called for his mommy while he was dying because I was calling for Jesus. my mommy. Jesus. And I, I don't even call my mom mommy. I know, and it made me feel for that man so much. And I said it must just be something in humans that they call for the nur- their nurturer, you mm-hmm. know. 
mm-hmm. because I never called my mom since I was a little girl. Right. And he was just laughing at me while I was calling for her. I was praying and praying. I was pleading for my life. And he held a 20-pound barbell over my head, and um, he said he was smashing my skull in unless I confessed to infidelity. And I said, I can't. I didn't do anything. And his, he kept getting just more and more outraged every time I said, I can't. I didn't do anything. I'll take a lie detector test. He was just like, I am going to crush your skull. He says, if you confess, I will not do anything. And he just kept on and on and on. And this whole time, he's like, on, he's still on top of me. He's got me straddled, and I'm mm. on the my back on, on the, the floor. Um, I finally confessed because I thought he's going to smash my head. I said, okay, yes, I, I did one time. I did one time. And as soon as I said that, he just let me have it. He just started hitting me with both fists and hands and just beating me about my face. And with so the dumbbell or with his hand? No, 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 just with his hand. And then he's like, I, then I said to him, I said, I'm lying. I didn't do anything. You told me you wouldn't beat me if I confessed. And I said, I didn't do anything. Well, this continued then for six hours. He was a, oh my Lord. it was six hours long. I, I mean, I, it was like reality was suspended. I I just, I was in a fear, a total terror, petrified for six hours. And he was, um, he cut part of my hair off. He threatened mm. all kinds of things, like things he was going to do to me with various objects. He raped me four times, sodomized mm. me twice. He had me do oral sex on him. Um, he uh, he would be nice for just a little while, and then he just started hitting me again. And then after a while, I said to him, I said, please, I said, I, I'm so sick. I said, I need to just rest for just, I said, let me just close my eyes for five minutes. So I said, I, I've got to rest. I'm sick. I'm so sick. He said, okay, go ahead, close your eyes. And I said, I'm afraid you're going to hit me if I close my eyes. I'm not going to hit you. So I shut my eyes, and it was just like as soon as I was just starting to let my adrenaline was coming down just like a speck, he just started beating on me again with my eyes closed. And this went on for hours. I mean, he would keep saying, go ahead, go ahead and rest. And then he, right in the middle, he would just like kick me completely off the bed and just start kicking me. And um, I, throughout this whole time, I kept thinking, he's got to calm down. He's got to calm down. And, but he wasn't. So I, I said to him, I knew he was delusional because of how he was talking about the pornography and the, putting it on the Internet and my brother and all that. I thought, I've got to somehow make him, you know, i got to give him something that he can think that to spare me. Like I said, if you don't kill me, I will sign my house over to you. I have a rental home. Bought it, hook, line, and sinker. I couldn't believe it. He's like, you'll sign your house over to me? I said, yes. I said, you can have my house. And I said, we will look for the deed, and we will go, and we will sign my house over to you, and then you can leave and go back to California, and I'll never tell anybody what you did. And he Mm. was buying it. I couldn't believe it. And so then he started being 
nicer, but then he would switch back again and, and start punching me again. I mean, it was just very, um, uh, just not right behavior. Well, that's when I found out yes. all of a sudden he was calling. He kept, he was on his phone a lot during this time, like punching in sex and stuff. He goes, I'm going, to, come on, we're going to go get some meth. And I like, I'm like, what? And he goes, we're going to get some meth. And then it, I, it all like come, it just made sense then. And I've pieced together more since that. He had taken my credit card that was supposed to not be used at all. It had been paid off. And he had been buying meth during this time that I was sick. And that's what was making him delusional. And he kept on saying, I'm, you're going with me. You're going with me. And I just said, I can't go. I'm too sick. I, and he said, you know, he finally said, okay, I'll leave you here. And he says, I'm taking your phone with me. And it was like 2 a.m. And he left. He was where he had to go. He could be, he could have been back within maybe a 15 minute time frame from the time he left to the time he got back. Second, he pulled out of the driveway. I hobbled. I mean, I was, like I said, I was very sick. I hobbled out the mm-hmm. door. I live in a rural country area, no lights whatsoever. And I'm hobbling up this dirt road. And those houses are very far apart. I couldn't see. I couldn't even see one step in front of me. I had no telephone. I started uh, screaming. I come to some houses. I was pounding on their windows. No one would open the door. And finally, um, I mean, I was just squatting down finally on the ground, just screaming, help me, please, help me, help me. And I'm thinking at the time, this is me. This is happening to me. This can't be real. This cannot be real. And this man came and turned his light on and the hollered down from over the, up this hill and he said, what's wrong? And I said, I need help. And I mean, I could barely make it up. It was up a hillside. I thought I was going to have a heart attack before I could even get up yeah. there. So I got up to their home. They called the ambulance and um, they called the police and my nightmare was over. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was also just beginning, but the being in imminent danger was over. Right. Now, you gave a lot of 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 examples of of what the what a uh analysis is in 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 my in my second book I called my ex-husband the perfect chameleon. And that's that's <laughs> right. what that's what yeah, because that's what they are. They can oh. adapt to any environment they can they are so charming they uh-huh. can literally just cause any and everybody to fall for them because the way they approach you so oh. if there's anyone out there listening who don't know what a narcissist is Deborah can you just break it down to uh. the simplest terminology this is what a narcissist is well from my opinion <laughs> Uh, just like you just said, they're extremely charming. Um, yes. Everyone likes them. Uh, they will be the life of the party. Um, very, mm-hmm. very polite. Uh, every older woman that he met just loved him, and I was a good bit older than him also. <laughs> but I'm mm-hmm. talking like little old ladies. They love him. The children love him. Um, 
helpful, you know, my family, he'd cook, like I said, he would cook for us. Uh, he made me feel very special, like I was just the most beautiful woman in the world. Oh, yeah. He was so smart, oh, yeah. and and he was in awe of me and how he couldn't believe that I was his woman. Uh, mm-hmm. Then it gets into, once they have you, then they start devaluing you, and um, it's very subtle. Um, mm-hmm. It'll start out maybe as little jokes to start with, little put downs. Um, mm-hmm. The more once they, the more and more they realize, they see how much they can get by with, because he mm-hmm. he found out that he could pretty much do about anything to me, and I would forgive him. And right. that's why he that is why he felt comfortable to leave me in the home and to come back. Uh, you know, he thought she doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have a car. We're in the middle of the country yeah. and she's not going to report me. And he had yeah. kept asking me that night if I was going to report him. And I kept, I was telling him, I love you. I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. You know, I was just telling him this so he would not kill me. Um, he, as I said, he controlled every aspect of my finances he also mm-hmm. he he uh during this same night they also like to have other women on the side um yes. he had been seeing a woman during this time he was doing this to me he had been making plans with another married woman to meet her yes. to have sex with the following week and this is while he is doing this to me he's talking to her on the phone and i found it on his phone afterwards um, they have a thing about pornography a lot of times. Uh, I found yes. he had been on hundreds of sites that very day. Um, they accuse you of the things that they are doing. That they're doing, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, no regard. I mean, it's like nothing was ever his fault. Everything was my fault. If we, he would spend all of my money at the casino, and then on the way home, he would holler at me the entire way home because because we lost the money, and it was him who had taken it out of the ATM, him who was deceiving me about how much he had taken from the ATM, and he would then it was my fault all the way home that he had lost it. Uh, I was a horrible mother, you know. He. He would berate me as everything I did, he would end up berating me. Like I was a horrible mother. Mm -hmm. I was a horrible daughter. Um, He he knew everything about everything. They think they are very, very smart. Smart. And (laughs) right. Um, He, I mean, I have a degree in psychology and a degree in counseling, which I should have known better. I should have been able to see through this behavior, but Toward the end there, he was even, like, mocking me about my education and telling – he more or less was trying to tell me basic things about psychology, and he oh, said that God. it had been so long since I had been to school that that stuff was outdated. You know, it, it was like anything that – if he won a game of, say, we were playing Scrabble, it was mm-hmm. – he was the reason I had won. Oh, I've taught you well. Oh, yeah. uh, Oh, I let you win that game. Yeah. I mean, it was just crazy stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're very prideful. Pardon me? I said they're very, very prideful and arrogant. Oh, yes. And yeah. so now I'm wondering, in retrospect, are the things he told me even true? I mean, he told me that the Navy came and when he was in high school and wanted to 
get him in the Navy because he had scored so high on this special test. And but then I think then I think though maybe he did. Maybe it was, they want a narcissistic personality for some special unit. I don't know. But it was just, yeah. He he would tell me such tall tales, and now I don't know if it's true or not. What's true? See this, yeah, and this same night that he was doing this to me, he was telling me he was having my family killed. And he supposedly was gang-affiliated in California. I think he was. He was Hispanic. He had tattoos all over his back, but I don't know if he was lying or if it was true. But he called somebody up this night. He was raping and attacking me and put a hit on my family, and I heard the person on the phone. It was a, a and he went, uh, the guy answered the phone, and he said, um, don't say anything, just listen. And the guy's like, sort of like, okay. And um, he got, he named, gave my parents' address, and he said, if, oh, he goes, if you don't hear from me by tomorrow, he goes, it's on. And he told me that he there were people coming to burn my family's house up with him in it. I believed it. Yeah. I mean, that's one of their greatest traits. They will use fear to keep you cowering in the corner. That's why it is so hard for victims to walk away from narcissistic abusers. Yes. Very petrified. And it gets to the point you don't even know what's real anymore. You you think you're the one that's crazy. You know, like I would sit and think. Am I? I was even telling you, you are making me go crazy. I, I I don't even know how to think anymore. I mean, they rob yeah. you of who you are. Yeah, they put you in a place where like like real life is suspended, and you're uh-huh. living, but it's like you're living in quicksand. It's like you're trying uh-huh. to move, but you can't move. Then you have your head on the water. You're trying to breathe. You cannot breathe. Narcissistic people. When they come across, you will never think of who they really are. When I wrote my second book and I told about my ex-husband, everybody was like, oh, no, 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 that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Until he he ended up showing himself uh, in front of family one time. But then again, I believe family who have narcissistic people in their family, they know of it, but because Uh they know of it, they know their behavior. When they leave and they get into these abusive relationships, for them it's a relief because they, the one at home, does not have to put up with it anymore. Uh You know, they don't have to put up with it anymore. So so it's better for him to go out there or for her to go out there and find somebody who they can do that to, you know, but right. this, is, this is, this is what, this is what we talk about. You cannot look at a narcissist, a narcissistic person and say, oh, wow, we're going to put a big N on his forehead because that you will never peg a narcissist for a narcissist until you get them in a position where their backs are against the wall. And for that reason, I called my ex-husband the perfect chameleon. And it sounds like a homeboy was as well. It sounds like he was as well because he had all the traits of a perfect chameleon. He was Uh was abusive mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, and spiritually. He's just like a classic narcissist. And these people, they always, 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 it is just like you say, just like 
he was doing all these things to you, they always have their eyes on another one. Uh-huh. They always have their right? So they, they're treating you mean like this, but then they have someone else. And nine out of ten times, he already told her, oh, I'm with someone, but she doesn't treat me right. You know, she disrespects me because they are always the victim. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it was always. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're always them. The word, I am sorry, these two words, they have no clue what, what these words mean. The only time a narcissist will say, I am sorry, is when they cannot wiggle themselves out. And even Why? in that, there is a plan behind it. Even in that, oh. there is some kind of, manip- <laughs> there's some kind of manipulation Why? behind it. Would you agree? Oh, because oh. he would apologize, but that's because he knew, you know, I would say, I'm not going to take this anymore, you know. And he knew right. I, I was his lifeline, you know. He was here on the East Coast mm-hmm. with me. He had no family. He didn't have friends. It was just he was here by himself, and he, I was his bread and butter. So he had to say he was sorry a lot of times because he knew he would get the boot. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that they, they is a lot of They just don't mean it. Yeah. And that's the thing is I was starting to get so tired of his bullshit that I was telling him, I am get, going to get a backbone because you're you're just not you're not treating me right. I'm going to get a backbone, and he would tell me all the time. Good, he goes, I'll respect you more if you get a backbone. But he didn't want me to get a backbone. He just was giving lip service to it. And when I was telling my daughter the things I was saying to him, like I was just starting to, I said to him he wasn't going to work, and I was like, don't you have any pride? And see, I would have never right. talked to him that way before. But it had been so right. many years since he had beat me. I was thinking, hey, maybe he's not going to act that way anymore. And so right. I was saying to him, don't you have any pride? And and I was just starting to, you know, back talk to him. And a few days before he did this to me, I had said to him, why did I leave my husband for this? For <laughs> this, I left. And we were already talking about him leaving and going back to California. And I was sort of like, go, you know, go. I'm ready for it. Because I said to him, if you don't trust me, and if you think I'm having an affair, why do you want to be with me? I said, leave. Exactly. Just leave. And exactly. he was seeing, yeah, he was seeing I was tired of the game. And what I see now, what I've read and learned on, you know, after this has happened, is that's when they may get extremely violent once you they see that uh, they them are you're leaving. leaving. Right. Yeah, and you're losing, right. they're losing their grip. Right. They, the reality, their their uh, fun time is about to be over. Right. And they can't handle that. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I have right. a question. Do you mm-hmm. do you think do you think a narcissist can cause their victim to think that they too is a narcissist? Well, I mean, there has been a couple of times I've thought, like, am I the one? Am I the one that's the bad one? Yeah. They make. <laughs> I start thinking like. Yeah, that I, oh, am I being selfish, you know, because he would, he would manipulate me all the time into going to the casino when we didn't have the money, and then it would make me feel bad, like, because he would say that I was keeping him from wanting to have a good time, you know. Uh, It's your fault. You know, just twist things around so much. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 
but I'll tell you what. I have it's a brief thing that I wrote that I feel that most see I have PTSD now I'm dealing with. And wow. there it's a brief thing I wrote that I felt like this hit home that told how a person feels right after they get out of the relationship. Would you mind if I read that? No, go ahead, please. Okay, um, it's not too long, but it, it really describes, and to me, it, I had a lot of um, feedback when I put it on my blog because it just, now I am blaming myself a little bit here because I wrote this two months after it happened. I was having a whole lot of, you go through a lot of feelings, you know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, I said, for those reading this, I wrote this two months after I was violently attacked by my ex, and this is the way I felt at the time that I wrote it. I'm a survivor of an eight-year relationship with a sick, abusive, narcissistic man. I don't want mm-hmm. to be viewed as a weak or helpless victim, and that's one reason I have delayed going for therapy, my foolish pride. I have experienced many emotions since my ex-fiance assaulted, smothered, tortured, threatened my family and my lives, and raped me four times over a six-hour span. I think I have had every negative emotion a human can feel. I'm going to put them in writing, and hopefully it will help other survivors living through this nightmare to see that they are not crazy. These mixed emotions are some of the primary symptoms of PTSD, and I pray someone who reads this will have an epiphany and find the strength and the courage to leave. I'm going to capitalize the emotions to highlight what negativity we experience. So here goes. I felt weak that I was so vulnerable and embarrassed to have allowed myself to be mistreated for so long. I felt foolish that I had fell for his manipulation and allowed him to drain me financially. I felt ashamed to have been so passive and not speak my mind. I felt used and betrayed when he repeated the abuse over and over again. I felt angry for the undeserved treatment and for supporting him when he wouldn't hold down a job. I felt powerless when he used his strength to assault and rape me. I felt disbelief at the way a person could hurt someone so repeatedly who gave them nothing but unconditional support and love. I felt cowardly when I allowed him to berate my family and call me names and make false false accusations. I felt used and degraded for being his sex object and not his lover. I felt confused when he twisted the truth and made everything my fault. I questioned my sanity every day. I felt anxious about when would be the next time he would hurt me. I felt responsible for his mood and his happiness. I felt small when he forced me to do things or overpowered me physically. I felt guilt when he went to jail. So was I a victim? Definitely not. I'm a well-educated adult, 62-year-old woman. I worked in the mental health field for 17 years. I cared for and counseled patients on a psychiatric unit who had been abused. I played his game willingly with full awareness of the codependent and subservient role that I was taking. I had a brain and the ability to reason, and I knew things weren't right. I had the resources and a place to go. I could have left any time. I did leave four times, and he sweet-talked me into returning. I felt Mm -hmm. gullible and naive for falling for his manipulation and lies. So a victim, no, a full participant in his game. I'm as responsible for the treatment he dished out as he is. I had hoped I could love him enough that he would be healed of his demons. I think that maybe a part of why the healing process can take years is we have so many tangled emotions 
twisted logic, mm-hmm. and false hopes for a better outcome. Our sense of mm-hmm. reality and self-worth has been distorted. We have lived with our adrenaline pumping in high gear with the gas pedal pushed to the floor in a constant fight or flight mode. We have lived in fear and sometimes terror. These wounds and scars we bear were acquired by self-infliction as well as by our abuser. Actually, I myself was my own abuser as much as he was. I know my statements may be offensive to some. Others may not agree at all. I'm relaying my perceptions and how I feel about the dynamics of the relationship. I will have treatment and focus on the skills needed to be assertive. I will assume control and responsibility for my actions. I will speak my opinion and not be used. I will learn to balance my gentle, kind, nurturing, and forgiving nature with a self-confident and assertive attitude. That is my plan. And yes, I have wounds that I and scars that I'm not proud of, but they will remind me daily of the person I was and continue to motivate me to become a better version of me. I will be me now. Wow. So, wow. Wow. I I understand every last one of those emotions. Every I imagine. last one of them. Every last one of them. You 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 have to go through all of these over and over and over in your mind and the more you think, it's like the more crazy you get. It's um, like you're almost turning into them. Almost oh, turning crazy. into them. Because just, again, again, they don't just start out that way. A narcissist is like a spider. On the outside, you will see. But on the inside, all you know is when you run into that web. You don't know that web is there. All you know, you get in, you run into that web, and now you are literally fighting for your life because they know how to put on a good outside, but that inside is dark and dreary and just downright criminal. So, yes. yes. So, Deborah, we we are at our first hour. We're going to take a break, you guys. And uh, if your heart is not moved, if if something inside of you is not hurting right now, I just don't understand what to say. Again, I ask you, if you are in a relationship where you are made to feel less dead, where you are called all manner of names, where your self-value, your self-esteem, your self-worth, all in the gutter, when we come back, uh, right before we end, uh, I'm going to ask Deborah how she got away. So I want you guys to pay very close attention because there are strategies of when you are walking away from abusive person, especially one who is a classic narcissist such as this. So we're going to take a couple of songs, and then we're going to come right back. This is Sterling Roberts, and you are listening to the Samus Voice Radio Network. Walk with me, family. Let's go!
You're listening to the hottest, most off-controversial, off-the-meters Christian radio station in the land. In the land. The Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Are you ready to walk, family? Let's go! You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. You're listening to Victory Over the Weights of Life. Over the Weights of Life. With Sis Diane LeBrin. Right now on TPV Radio. This is Victory Over the Weight of Life with Sister Diane LeBrin. Welcome back, everybody. If you missed the first hour, oh, my gosh, you definitely have to go back and listen to the replay. And I would encourage you to send this to every woman, man that you know who have been in any form of relationship that is abusive, especially living with a narcissist, a classic narcissist. There are some narcissists, they have certain tendencies and they have certain traits, but very, very rare you will find one that is a perfect narcissist, if you can say that. Everything about them is calculated. You see them coming, you never see them coming. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You see when they're coming because they look good, they smell good, they have a smile on their face, they're so charming, they're so nice, they're so gentle, perfect gentleman, first date, open the door, everything you would need. They're not going to try to come in the house on the first date. Okay, you have a good night. They get home, they call you. I had a lovely time tonight. And you, you, I'm like, oh my God, oh, oh, oh my God, oh my God. I, I, I've run up on Prince Charming. Don't believe it, okay? Don't believe it. Remember, they are like spiders. In the daytime, outside, you cannot see the plan. You cannot see the trap that's being set for you. But when you walk into that dark room, it's cold and it's lonely and you're trapped. And just like a fly or what a moth or whatever bug that that got caught in that in that spider web, you are flapping your wings, but you're going nowhere. And they know exactly how to keep you there. Our host Deborah is telling us her story, and let me tell you, boy, 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 boy. I, I I've been through a lot. And I've told you all some of my stuff that I've been through. But even sometimes I hear certain things, and it still makes me go, wow, oh, my God, I cannot believe this. And her story is, is just wow. Amen. So you guys help me welcome again Deborah. Deborah, welcome back. Thank you. Thank yes. You. So uh, go ahead and uh, just let us tell us a little bit more. 
And maybe like the last 30 minutes of the show, we're going to give the victims the right way out. Now, here's a question. Did he ever show out in front of your parents? Did they, did they ever see anything in him? Because, again, they are so clever. They know how to cover their stink. So did, did your parents see anything in him? Oh, yes. That's why my dad had ended up kicking him out there at the end, and we moved up the road. Um, he knew, he kept telling me that he was taking advantage of me, you know, and he kept telling me he's, he's spending all of your money and saying, you know, of course he's going to want to stay with you because he's got an easy free ride, you know. And yes, like I said, yes. he had started some arguments uh, with my, some of my daughter had been in a few arguments here in the home with my my parents and they knew each time I left him I went to their house and then I would tell them what he had done so they knew what he what he was um one time I left him and when I came in their home I said if I ever try to go back with him have me committed to a mental hospital because I will be crazy if I if I go back with him and I still yes. turned around and went back with him. <laughs> yes. Uh, because they like have said, a way. Pardon? I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was saying they have a way. I remember when I left my ex-husband for the first time. Because you cannot walk away from a narcissist on the first try. Unless somebody hog ties you and drags <laughs> you home and keep you locked up. Because if you try to get away from them the first time, especially... If you've been there a while when they, they've already primed you to a certain mental state, it is very, very difficult to walk away from them. When I left my ex-husband for the first time, it felt like the, the way I felt, it was like the way I felt when I left my children home for the first time and went back to work. Any mm-hmm. new mother will tell you when, when I left my baby, I felt so guilty, yeah. oh my God. That's exactly how I felt when I left my yeah. ex-husband. <laughs> yeah, because Would you, you love you. That's it. That you're so entangled, and you, it's like you you need them, even though they're bad for you. It's it's a it's mm-hmm. like a sickness. It's a sickness, and you miss them, and you feel sorry for them. And you know, I still I don't love him. I don't hate him. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. like it that he's in jail, but I know he needs to be there. Um, right. I feel partially responsible that he's in jail. I feel that I should have left him before it got to that point. But he's still the one wow. who committed the crime. Uh, also, if it wasn't me, it will be someone else. And I think he would have ended up in jail much sooner than the eight years that I spent with him if he wouldn't have been with me. I think he would have already been incarcerated. Uh, and maybe that other a- person, he would have probably killed that other person too. Possibly. Because that other right. person because probably wouldn't have been as strong as you were. Exactly. I mean, you just, or might maybe would have talked back. I mean, I learned very quick you do not talk back and you do not even try to fight back because That's it would right. outrage him more. Uh, you know, just even just words of talking back. You, no, no, no. You do not do that. <laughs> um, wow. Uh, you know, I am struggling right now with that. He's he is facing two felony counts. They charge him with two felony of sexual assault. Um, Good. 
but see, if I would not, if everything worked just right, because if he wouldn't have went and left, I wouldn't have got to the emergency room and had the rape kit and the rape examination, and they would not have had the physical evidence that they needed, and I would mm-hmm. not have probably been able to have a, even build a case since we were cohabitating, you know. Yeah. Um, if I would have waited till the next day and went, I mean, I don't know, but um, it, I felt that God had his hand in it, that my path got clear that I was able to get away and get the evidence that was needed. He's been in jail since the day that he did it, and he is on a half a million dollar bail, so he's not going to get posted any bond. Um, the judge gave me a 99-year restraining order against him, and I didn't wow. know that that was possible. But she, said he, she said it was the worst thing that had come before her court as long as she's been a, in that court system. See, for me being the victim, it's hard for, I can't really be objective. I, I, you know, it's been real hard for me to wrap my head all around this. Right. It's almost surreal, and I'm still struggling very much. Um, I have my words put together well. Uh, I have my demeanor put together well, but I am Mm -hmm. struggling tremendously and hurting tremendously, and I am very disjointed as who I am and um, most of the time honestly I feel that I am in a robotic mode that I Mm -hmm. am surreal and that I am just going through the motions of living and uh, you know it's left something it's taken something away from me right now that's another thing thing I, I, I forgot to mention when you are with a narcissist one of the things that you will learn to do, and you better learn it, and you better do it well, that's lying. You better learn how to lie, and your <laughs> lies better make them look good. Every lie you say about them is to uplift them, is to make them look like they're the greatest lover, oh. the greatest provider, oh. the best friend, everything, Mm -hmm. everything, everything. And for that reason, victims are so, so confused because you hear in yourself saying these words, but you know it's a lie. And they do that to keep us in a place like of limbo. So you don't know reality from, from, from truth anymore, from, from what's not real anymore. And they love having victims there because when a victim is in that state, they are even more susceptible to manipulation. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. he tried to, he wanted to put the words in my mouth, you know, like he would mm-hmm. tell me what I, what I was supposed to say to my, like a, my grown daughter. He would tell me, oh, well, you shouldn't say that. You should say this. You shouldn't do mm-hmm. this. You should do that. Why did you say that? That wasn't right. And just, yeah, just like he was, because then it's like I was his puppet. It, that's what I felt yeah. like, I was his puppet. Yeah. Because, like, they're an expert. They're an expert. They know everything. They know the law. They know medicine. They know oh. astrology. <laughs> they know psychology. They're a mathematician. They, they, they are everything. They I know are. They're ed- everything. They can tell a woman how to dress. Oh, 
I mean, they, they have complaints. And the sad thing is what they complain about people because they are so weak. It is truly a sign of jealousy and envy. Because when they see, uh, I, never, I never thought, I never thought a husband could be jealous of his wife until my mother told me that. I was like, yeah. why would he even be, why would he even be jealous? I'm like, but I'm his wife. But that's the thing. Like you say, they prey on people who have a little naive in them, who has a soft heart, who is willing to love. They, 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 they look for people. These people are like perfect predators. Uh-huh. Perfect predators. If there are three right. women walking and the narcissist steps up to three women, three girlfriends at the mall, and they're shopping, and there he goes. He knows exactly which one is the weak one. Just the minute he say hi, just by the way she answers. Oh and, his first, and his first job, the first thing he will do, he will talk to all three women. And he will, <laughs> these, these people, Lord Jesus, they, and they will profile. And the, the strongest friend, that's the one he's going to get rid of first. Mm-hmm. The second strongest. He'll go ahead and get, because if he keeps the strongest one in your life, he cannot do to you what he would like to do, or it would take longer or harder. That's why narcissists, they always separate their victims from family and friends. Because if Uh you have no outside influence, then he can do or she can do whatever they want to you, and no one is there to shed light. One of the things my ex-husband hated was the fact that I decided to go back to school. Oh, he was upset, threatened me uh-huh. with divorce. And most of the time they threaten you about, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave. It's just a fear tactic. It's just a fear uh-huh. tactic. I'm going to divorce you if you don't stop going to school. And he was just afraid because going back to school, it opens your mind. Going back to right. school, it puts you among other people that thinks differently and what they've done. They don't want anybody to come in and undo it because they would have to start all over again. So they much yeah. rather keep their victims literally in the dark rather than letting them go out, live, and breathe. These people are so dangerous. Yes. Very, very That's dangerous. Right. <clears throat> what I think, what is, I think is sad and what I wish somebody would start is a educational program for people in school, like high school and junior high, to let them see that, that people who act like this, who are, it's not that they love you. That's not why they're so jealous. That is not why they're possessive. That's not why they right. try to control you and want to look in your phone and know everything you're doing. And they don't like your friends. They, you know, they don't want you to have any life outside of your own life. Right. And all these young I'm saying women, but it also happens to men because they're girl oh, narcissists. Yeah. But they don't. People don't understand that they haven't had relationships before, and they think, "Oh, it's just because they love me so it's much." Love. Yes, <laughs> yes. And you know, they need to be taught this. No one teaches us about what's a healthy relationship. What you know, right. and it needs to be taught because this is happening too frequently. It's Right, and and the, and they even put up with it for years and years because they still keep thinking, oh, he just loves me so much, he can't yes. help. But he hit me because yes. he loves me so much, or she yes. hit me because she loves me so much. 
yeah, you know, trying to get uh, me to do that. Yeah, and I, I just there needs to be some education that gets started so people know in the beginning what kind of red flags to look for because I just shake my head and think, here I am, I'm 62 years old. I had been married over 30, like 30 years. I was in the field. I had worked with people who had been abused, and I got taken in hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, because they're that uh, good. That's just the truth. Yeah, they are very good. Yes, and I have when to wonder: we, Do they know that they're doing this, or I just—that's the thing. I can't understand what's in their mind. They do. <laughs> they do. It's that. Is that cat and mouse game? Oh, they do. They absolutely know what they're doing, and they perfect their craft. And when whatever loophole they found in the first relationship, the next one, they make sure they tighten that one. You know what I'm saying? So as the yeah. years go by, they get better and better, and more and more victims are are losing the, because a lot of a lot of victims having to deal with or having to deal with life after narcissists, they just kill themselves. Because they can't mm. handle it. They can't handle yeah. it. Because your your mind is so twisted. You don't know if right is wrong or wrong is right. You, you, you don't know anything anymore because your whole world now becomes something delusional. And when you try to live life in a delusional world, it doesn't work. Yeah, and people don't understand. If you have not been through it, they think you're, something's wrong with you. Which mm-hmm. there is something wrong with you. You're not thinking right. I mean, you can't. Right. It's, it's it's crazy. Uh, it, it boggles the mind. Yeah. Um, yes. That's why if you could get people before they get involved in it to realize what are some, you know, like these are dangerous people. If you have someone mm-hmm. that you are starting a relationship with that do these things, run, run. <laughs> Oh. Run fast. Don't look back. Yes. Because if I you mean, look back and they'll catch you, yeah, they'll they'll draw you in either by force or again they will go through 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 that that cycle. You know, I I, I yes. treat you bad, I treat you bad, I treat you bad, and then I treat you good, I treat you good. And when I see you get into where where when they see you starting to feel a little bit about yourself, then they knock you down and you go down, 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 and they keep you. And then oh here you go some flowers and they bring and it's like a hamster in a wheel and you just uh-huh. going and going and go, and there is no end. The only way to end the cycle of a narcissist, the cycle of abuse, period is to get out. That's yeah. the only way to end it. Get out. And to stay oh. out because I would just, I would ache for him. Even though we had had such a horrible time and I had left, I just didn't feel like I was me if I wasn't, if I wasn't with him. You know, yeah. I, I would ache. I wanted him. And, and you know, the, we had a total abrupt breakup. The co- police took him. They put him in a car and took him away. Thank God for that, because would I have went yeah. back? I mean, I right. no way could I. I mean, he, you know, he. I'm proud of him. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm petrified, and I, I fear the day that he gets out of jail that he'll come after me. Uh, he he's looking will. right now at 10 to 50 years is what he, he cannot do any less than 10, but if he doesn't take a plea deal, he can do up to 50. He's a narcissist. He will, 
he's probably, yeah, he's not going to take it because he thinks he can go before the judge and he can look in the judge's eyes and he can manipulate the judge and he can look over at the jury and he can manipulate. They all the same. They all the same. Yeah, they that's like what I read. The mm-hmm. I read that they will, oh, yeah. they will not take a plea deal because they think they can beat the system. Yeah, they're smarter than the prosecuting attorney. Huh? See, he had until the 27th of this month to make the decision on the plea bargain, and I haven't heard yet from the prosecutor if he took it or not. Yeah, he's not because he already scoped out the prosecutor. The prosecutor already, uh, he already spoke uh, about the prosecutor, uh, found out something about them. He's going to go in there, and he is going to turn the charm on. He's going to sit up straight. He's going to look intelligent. He's going to be uh, like like one of these GQ men. He's going to sit uh-huh. there. He's going to look at the judge, and if the judge's eyes happen to fall into his, the way he's going to look at her, God forbid, there is uh-huh. a wick woman on the jury. It's over. It's oh my so they always take the chance. They always take the chance that there will be one woman, and they're betting that they will be able to, to seduce that woman in her brain, in her mind, while they're sitting feet away, you know, 5, 10 feet, 15 feet away, whatever. And he, they will still believe they can just look at them and lower that charm on them and not guilty, Your Honor. And they really think they walk away. I hope he gets oh. 50 plus 50 years. Oh, my. I sure hope that doesn't happen. Yes. But I hope he gets 50. <laughs> well, at least then my lifespan would be over before he got him. Yes. Yeah, because the thing but. is, the thing is, you have to be able to get closure. And and right now, you're still going through the PTSD because you know there is a chance. Yes, he's gonna go to jail. And if he go to if he take the plea deal, yes, you know, he's gonna be gone for ten years. But as the years start to creep up, the ninth year come up, the tenth year come up, you're gonna go right back into that place of stress and worrying and fear. Uh-huh. And they live for that. So so uh-huh. so I'm hoping. We we're just gonna pray that God let him be in there for fifty years. Let him be in there for fifty wow. years. Well, that's what I already know. I have said I will live in constant fear, and when, if he gets oh, no. out of jail, I will be yeah, in total we, we, fear. No, no, we're not. We're not. We're not gonna. We're not gonna accept that. We're gonna believe that God is gonna do what He does best, and that's to protect His children. We we're gonna we're just gonna believe that that's what God is doing. He's He's not gonna He's not gonna allow that to happen. One thing I say I regret, and one thing I am so proud of you for is that you called the police and you filed the charges you did not let up for me I was more afraid and frightened and I didn't the only Uh time I called I called the police when he was already out the house because they couldn't catch him and then I called the police the day that well I didn't call the police he called the police because he wanted the police to arrest me because I was oh. leaving him. Yeah. Oh. oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 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 So oh. <laughs> these people oh. are out of their minds. 
out of their mind. Well, the night, yeah, the night they arrested him, they he tried he ran from the police the night that they arrested him out into the woods, and it took them a while to find him. And when they got him, he told them something like, "It was me that was beating on him that <laughs> night." That's, Always the victim. Always. But the why victim. did he run away from them? You know, I mean, that's the thing. Why? And why did the they run? Yeah. Because their brain is like locked. It's like their brains are locked, and it cannot it, it, it cannot be unlocked, so they don't function. They need to be in a world by themselves because they can't function in our world. Our world and them don't match. That's why every every last one of them who's been convicted, they need to find an island, and they need to put them on that island and let them live with each other so so they understand what it was like to live with them. And every last Uh, one of them, I'm telling you, are cowards. My ex-husband, oh, God, the biggest man, he will step in my face and call me names and push and shove and tear me down and... I'm nothing and call me at work and you're losing your looks and he tell me I'm getting fat and oh God, you know, just losing Uh your mind, trying to do everything you can. And then when it came time for him to go toe to toe with, with, with this guy, he just quivered and backed away like a crawfish. He didn't do Uh anything because they're all Uh cowards. They're they're the bullies in the schoolyard. That's what they are. Yep. They're the bullies yeah. in the schoolyard. They're all, they're, yeah, they're, they're very skittish. They're very scared. And once you step up to them, you know, once you step up to them, they, they, they kind of like back off, and that's when they lose control. So we're going to take the segment of this show. And uh, can you go ahead and tell us, uh, you told us how you left him, but did you make that decision before or you think you made that decision while you were in the hospital? Oh no! When I called the police, I mean it was you know all I was I was concerned about my life. I thought he was going to kill me, and I needed to get away from him. And I knew he had crossed the line. He had everything he had just done to me. Plus, saying he put a hit out on my family, telling me I was having you know uh, relations with my brother, uh, telling me I could not see my brother who was dying. Again, I mean, everything he had done, it was like during the whole course of that night, it was like, I'm going to get away from him. And, uh, you know, if I can possibly get away. And then, mm-hmm. uh, no, I was done when I asked him to call the ambulance. And I needed to go to the hospital. And it ended yeah. up when I did get to the hospital, they found I had a bleeding ulcer. And I think he had caused it to bleed because I had no... uh my, I didn't have any bleeding ulcer before that night, but they said there's no right. way they could tell me if that, but he was hitting me in the stomach a lot that night, and I think he caused the bleed. Um, and they kept me in the hospital for five days, but there has never been, since the I walked out of that house that night, no way would I ever go back with him. I never want to see him again. I heard that. Now, if if there's somebody listening and they are at the point where they're saying, this is it. I got to get up. I got to leave. I got to go because what happened to, to Deborah, I don't want that to happen to me. And some of them are saying, I have children. I, I, I have to think of the, the future of my children. What would be the first thing you would tell them? How would you tell them to prepare themselves 
for that great escape? It has to be that they don't know you're going to leave because they are. That's yeah. the time they are going to be the most violent. That's when right. they may kill you. Uh, and as I said, every time I had tried to leave before he, that's when he, I had the worst beatings. And he's tackled me in my yard. He's tackled me in my car. Uh, I would tell them to, you know, when when they're at work or when they are not around, you're going to want to leave during that time. And you need to gather your things together, What the, you know, your important papers and things, but you can't let them, you can't get caught. If you end up having mm-hmm. to get out of there with not even a pair of shoes, do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But it's got mm-hmm. to it's got to be when they uh, when they're not there. Yeah. And when they you know, as I said, and he 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 could see that I was getting ready to leave him, and that's what was building and building and building his anger. Because when he attacked me that night, it was it was. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say it was Satan, but it was like he he. I thought it was the devil getting me he turned into something that I had never seen his eyes and he was just it was pure evil just evil it's like he just Uh, disappeared yeah 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 I mean in fact I mean I you know I know that this is a Christian broadcast but there was one pastor I spoke with in the hospital who even suggested that maybe he was possessed. And I said, well, I don't know what happened because I don't know what makes human beings do that to one another. But it would have been the right. closest thing I had ever seen. I mean, it's... Uh, there, there was no reasoning, no reasoning, until I wow. told him I would sign my house over to him and see he thought maybe he could get a free deed to a house. Mm-hmm. Then he started, you know... He, he thought that I, you know, he was thinking I was all lovey-dovey with him again. Right. But, yeah, and, you and do that's have to do you, what you said. Yes. You got to lie. And how, <laughs> yes. And that's how you have to be sometimes. You have to, when you make up your mind to leave, the only person I can say that needs to know at that moment is you and God when you mm-hmm. make up your mind. There is and there will always be somebody, whether it be a family or a friend, that totally dislikes them. And they will be the one that's been telling you for years to leave, 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 get away, get away. When you go to get your things, have that person come with you. And also when you get there, I always tell victims, cautious, make sure you call 911 and you say to them, I am getting my things. I am leaving an abusive relationship and I am afraid. Can you please send a unit to make sure that I get out of there safely? And they oh. will send a unit. They will exactly. never go and just get, you. yeah, never go and just get your stuff and leave. Because, like you say, that's the time when most victims will lose their lives. Because once uh-huh. that victim gets away, they lose all power. 
They lose the control right. and all the manipulation they did that they thought they had you in a place where you could not leave without them because they put you in that place where you can't breathe, you can't, oh, my God. It's like you say you were hurting for them, and they put you in that position. So when you try to leave, you won't, and if you should leave, you come back. So uh-huh. when you make up your mind, make sure it's you and God. And make sure that one person that hates him more than anybody else, and when you get there, call the unit. In doing so, you walk away with your life. You walk away with your children. Some of the material things, you know, that you don't want, you can leave behind. Everything that you think that you want, take it. Because if you try to go back a second time to get the rest, that does not mean you will leave that place. So if you guys are listening to us, please, 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 please be cautious when you are making your final exit. For sure. Okay. Yes. Yes. So would would there be any other, uh, would you you be willing to tell, tell the people anything else that they should look for and how to prepare themselves? Oh, my, it's hard to even know how to prepare yourself because you don't know, they're just so unpredictable. But yet again, they are predictable. Uh, Very just, much. <laughs> if they seem too good to be true, but there are just things that are like uh, they get mad for no reason or they are like that wanting to look on your telephone or they get jealous real easy or mm-hmm. um they just don't want you to have any individuality. Um, no. Just don't get in a relationship with them to start with. Um, mm-hmm. Get some support group quick and learn as much as you can about the narcissist. If you, you know, that is what has helped me a lot is the education and learning about these people and get some people that have went through the same thing to be your support system because they will help you to not go back with them once you do leave them. Um, Absolutely. That's a big one. Uh, And there are people, there's so many different support groups online where the people, you know, they will become your lifeline almost. Oh, yeah. Because I've seen so many people that are struggling to, to not make contact with these people again because they want them back Mm -hmm. (laughs) um uh the thing is is don't underestimate them because i really never in all of the anger i have seen him give me in those past years there was nothing like the night of the final night the fury (laughs) was nothing like i have ever experienced in my life and i I'm terrified of him now. And that wow. same day, I was, like I said, I was ill. And he had taken and just coddled me and cuddled me that same morning. He had went to the store to get me. He had made a list of what did I think I could eat because I couldn't hardly hold food down. He had made my soup and brought my crackers. And he was telling me no one will ever take care of you the way that I take care of you. And that was a few hours later, he was doing the things to me that he did. Yes, of course. Of course. (laughs) Their minds, you can't understand their minds. It's like you say, 
they are unpredictable yet very predictable. Yeah. Very predictable. One of the signs I will say to to victims or if you are in a relationship or if you're dating someone, pay attention to their level of jealousy. How oh, much yeah. are they how much are they trying to separate you from your family and friends? And mm-hmm. I'm telling you, they don't just get jealous over over families who are far gone. But I'm talking about immediate family. Try to keep you away from your mom and dad, your siblings, your best friend you've had you've had from, from kindergarten. I remember right. when my when my ex husband and I when we when we uh spoke of having a baby, one of the things <laughs> Oh Jesus one of the things he told me I was not allowed to breastfeed. Oh no. <laughs> yes. Especially especially if yeah, especially if it was a boy, oh. I would not be allowed to breastfeed that baby. Oh. Oh. This, this is this is this is the kind of sickness that's in their mind. So I because agree. a mother a mother and a baby you bond during feeding, and oh. you don't want me to to bond with my baby. So he's like, no, no, oh. no, you you, you yeah, can't breastfeed. They just have such huh? strange. They have such strange thoughts. Very it doesn't make sense. Yes, yeah, very, 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 very crazy. And I think a lot of the sexual uh, things that the uh, the sexual thoughts that they have is because they immerse themselves in porn in, in, in pornography. Oh yeah, they yeah. immerse. My ex husband would stay up for hours what? watching porn. I mean. I remember going, forcing myself to sleep at night, and I remember waking up, and he's still watching that jump. Yeah, still he did that too. It. it would just be so disgusting. So the disgusting. only time I got, I got a, I got a, a break from it is when uh, we moved to the new house and we didn't have a TV in the room as yet. But then he <laughs> went ahead and got, yeah, he made sure he went ahead and got a TV. And that TV was in that room. So it, 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 oh, it was boy. like everywhere. It, yeah. So they come up with these sick things. Like he said, you're sleeping with your brother. They'll say, you're sleeping with your father. They'll get jealous of any kind of close relationship that you have. If you have a close sister, they'll say, well, you and your sister are lesbians. It, it's some very right. sick, twisted, and right. demented things that right. go on in the mind of, yeah. of the mind of he the people. He accused me of that. He accused me of anything you could think of. He accused me of it at one time or another. And it was absolutely anything. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, God. But uh, we have 15 minutes left. Uh, I was hoping we'd get a caller, but we don't have any callers to call it in. So uh, I'm just going to go ahead and say thank you to you as I I wrap up up the show. So I just want to say thank you. Please tell me you're going to write a book. (laughs) Oh, Maybe I will, Please. but would I be able to plug my, um, could I plug my blog to the radio mm-hmm. fans out there? Okay, it's on Facebook, and it's the name of it is Be Me Now. Uh, it's three words, it's separated with, uh, uh, you know, uh, space, Be Me Now. And that's because and so now B I'm trying to. So B is B-E, 
So it's like uh-huh. B-E-M-E-N-O-W? Yes, and it's three separate okay. words, and it's on Facebook. And it's pretty much just uh, most of it is, you know, I'm not trying to be a therapist or anything. I'm just offering a lot of different uh, emotional support and um, mm-hmm. things like that. It's, it sort of covers, you know, people with depression and people who are just having life issues. Right. Right, right, because it's 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 sad, and right now we all we all need it, you know. Again, uh-huh. I say, again I say, not because there is not abuse in the home you grew up in. That does not mean you cannot find yourself in an abusive relationship. It right, can very I would have well never dreamed it. Exactly, it can come. And it can knock on your door, and it will present itself as something, and you will never know what it is. You know, so exactly. so not because you did not grow up in that house, that doesn't mean the the young man that's gonna court your daughter or your daughter is dating. That doesn't mean they did not come from a place where relationships are, are very toxic, and all right. of a sudden. All of a sudden, someone who's never been hit before, someone who who were raised to believe in themselves, to have self-value, to have self-worth, all of a sudden, you know, you can't stay home. You know, it's it's just crazy. It's just crazy. And like you said, I really believe that they do need a course at school. Oh, Or they need to have someone come and speak to the because it start is happening in 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 uh, elementary school. Uh-huh. It's happening in elementary school. It's happening. It's in the junior high. It's in the it's in the high school. It's in the colleges. They'll tell you, don't go to the mall with your friends. I'm 16 years old. Why can I not go to the mall? And they will call wow. you and have nothing to say, just so they can sit on the phone, so they know every step you make. So you have to go use the bathroom. Oh, hold on, okay? I got to go use the bathroom. What you doing now? I'm making me a sandwich to eat. Everything, exactly. some of them, they will even bully the girls on the line. Why are you eating? You already fat. Parents, exactly. please, pay attention, exactly. parents. If your son is dating a girl and he's always on the line or your daughter is dating a young man and she's always on the phone, the phone is stuck to her ear while doing homework, he got to be right there or, or, you know what I'm saying, everything. Right. You have to pay attention. You have to find out what is going on. No one needs to have that much control over your children but you. If you think your child is in a relationship that is not appropriate, cut it out. You are the parent. You meet the parent of that young boy or that young girl, and you say to them, I no longer want my child seeing your son or seeing your daughter. Here are the reasons why. Because all it's going to do is get worse and worse and worse and worse. Young girls who had plans to go off to college, Uh all of a sudden no longer want to go to college because they did not get accepted at the college or they did not get accepted at the same college. Exactly. They did not get accepted at the same college. And and they will they will start from young. They will start from so parents pay attention. I know we are in the church, and I know a lot of people believe abuse doesn't happen in the church. 
totally wrong. That's why I wrote uh, my book, Abuser, from the Pulpit Playboy series. It speaks exactly of that, of a young girl who did not know anything about domestic abuse, and she met this young man who was the son of preachers. That He came from a long line of preachers, and he was so abusive to that girl to the point where he wow. almost killed her. Where he hurt her so bad, he caused her to have a stroke. That's the book I read, Abuser. And that's in the church. In the church, it's happening. It's not just happening. It's not just happening in the poor people's home. It's not just happening in in, in certain neighborhoods, in the black neighborhoods, in the white neighborhoods, in the hills. It happens everywhere. Everywhere, right. everywhere, and we have got to keep our eyes open, and we cannot just wait until the month of October to speak of domestic violence because it is every day, every day, every day. Because the statistic tells us, even while we've been on this phone for two hours, how many women have been beaten, how many young boys and young mm-hmm. girls have been sodomized and raped, and now we're in the right. COVID thing where the children are home with the pedophiles, where the women are home with the men, or the men are home with the women, and they have no escape. They have no escape. So this is why we have got to pray. We have got to stand up. We have got to speak up. We cannot say, well, it's not my problem. Yes, it is. It is your problem because if you hear a woman crying out for help, please do not turn your ear off. Don't turn your ear off. You live in an apartment and you hear somebody, help, help, help. Your neighbor is coming, knocking on your door. Please help me. Open the door. Let her in. Call the police. Do something because you never know when it might be your day or one of your children's days. So we have got to be each other's keeper. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. Am I my sister's keeper? Yes, I am. When we were living in the, in the apartments, this couple would always go for it. They would always go at it, especially on the weekend. And you would hear her crying. And the first time I called the police, and I told them, I just want to remain anonymous. I didn't want to leave my name because you can do that. When they went over there, of course, he was a narcissist. I can hear him through the wall. It's a her, 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 her. And what he did, they had a son. And what he did, he grabbed the son, and he was holding the son. So he's like, my son is not going anywhere. So because there was not anything in regards to child abuse, the police said, okay, well, just let him stay with his father and you go to your mother's house. So that means she had to come back to him. The next time Uh she came back, maybe two, three weeks later, I heard her, somebody help me, help me, help me, because she already knew I was the one who called the first time. So she's like, Uh somebody help me, help me. I called again. She got her son. She left. She never returned. You know, and I I thank God I was able to do that because in that somebody help me, somebody help me, she could have ended up losing her life, and I would have had to live with that guilt knowing Uh I could have saved her, and I didn't. So when we ask for you to not be quiet, when we say please speak up, when we say Please uh, uh, don't remain silent. We're, at, we're not telling you go in the house and, and make trouble. We're asking you, call the police. You can remain anonymous. If you can speak to that woman or that man, give them some self-esteem. Give them some courage. Once, never talk bad 
about the abusive person because these narcissists already make us feel like they're the victim. So if you talk bad about the narcissist, the victim is only going to stay closer to them because now we feel that we have to protect them. Right. And that's not and, and, and that's not true and that's not true. So please, please, please call. If a child is telling you mommy and daddy is raping me or sodomizing me, please, please, please speak up. Speak up. Too many children are committing suicide because they are afraid of being home with their parents. They much rather kill themselves. There are so many men and women on the streets that are homeless, uh-huh. that are people of abuse. They much rather be homeless in the streets rather than being at home. So again, I beg of you, please, 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 please do not remain silent. So Deborah, again, I want to thank you so, so very much. Go ahead and give them your blog one more time so I can give them my information. Okay. So hopefully will reach for out to you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity, and I I enjoy the, uh, being able to tell my story, and I hope that it helps just at least one person. My blog Absolutely. is be, three words: be me now, and it's mm-hmm. on Facebook. And I'd on like Facebook. to see some people come by. <laughs> so you guys, thank if you. you're listening, Facebook, be me now. Stop by, say hi, tell her you heard her story. <laughs> You never know how how uh how that can impact her life, giving her more courage to be able to stand and tell the story. Because I was telling her at the break, the more you tell your story, the stronger you get and the more courageous you get. So keep telling your stories. I'm going to keep writing books. Keep your eyes open. I will be releasing a book uh, this coming October in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I tried last year. I ended up getting sick. I ended up having to have surgery, so I was unable to release it. But this year, by God's grace, don't forget, I am Diane Libran. Follow me, author Diane Libran, on Facebook. You can find me, uh, Libran Books, on, on, uh, on Instagram, as well as Diane Libran on Instagram. To purchase any of my books, go to LibranBooks.com for any speaking engagement. You can email me right there at lubrandbooks.com or you can just inbox me. It is my life mission. I truly believe that God has called me in a place where he know I have a big mouth and he know I'm not going to be shy to speak. And all I want to do is to encourage victims. All I want to do is to shed light so women and men know, sees, realize, and understand the consequences of domestic abuse. I want to be able to let y'all see what the red flags are, give y'all examples so you guys don't get caught up in that net. And if you are, I want to be able to help you how to get out of that net with your life, with the lives of your children, where you can go on and you can live a happy healthy life because it is very possible to live a happy healthy life after abuse i am living proof of that we serve a great god so father god in the name of jesus we want to thank you tonight 
God, I thank you for Deborah. God, I pray that you increase her strength, increase her faith. God, draw her even nearer to you, Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray for every victim who are listening right now. Father God, let them know they deserve so much better than what they're having now. You allow Jesus to die so that we may have the best in life. And God being abused, being manipulated, and being treated like a second-class person is not the will of God for our lives. So, Father, we want to give you thanks and praise for today. We give you glory and honor, and we bless your holy name in the name of Jesus. You guys tell Debbie thank you again. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you. Thank you again. So, so glad you were with us. So glad you were with us. Please, guys, meet me here next Tuesday. Same time next Tuesday will only be an hour. Don't forget the first Tuesday of the month is dedicated to domestic violence. Amen. Brother Chris, Sister Shanice, again, I just want to thank you guys so very much for allowing me this platform to, to, to speak and so the, the, the word can be out there. My heartfelt thanks to you guys. I don't know. I, I cannot even tell you what I can give you because of what you are allowing me to give the world. So I thank you. I pray, God, that the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you, he cover you, protect you and your family, and I pray he meet every last one of your needs. And I speak nothing but favor, 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 favor over y'all in the mighty name of Jesus. All right, everybody, thank you again for being here. Meet me right here next Tuesday, 6 p.m., Central Standard Time Victory Over the Waste of Life with me, your host, author and speaker, Diane Lubra. Walk with me, family. Let's go. You never heard Christian radio quite like this. Like this. Get your fix 24-7 on the Psalmist Voice Radio Network. Radio Network. TPV Radio, Central Texas. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.